Daniel Ruiz, and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years, and today I have my special guest. He's uh, one of the best comedian of all time. <laughs> Absolutely, of all time, ever. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Mike Lucas. How you doing, Daniel? Thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, just ask uh, George Carlin, ask uh, Lenny Bruce, ask Richard Pryor. They, they, they would agree that I'm, I'm the best ever. Oh, yes. <laughs> Second to none. At the right, uh, right, right. <laughs> sure, in my mind. And to my mom. <laughs> so if you compare yourself to Mr. Jerry Seinfeld, what is your big difference to him? Well, Jerry Seinfeld, I love him. He's very funny. He's he's a... Uh, He's a monologist that does sort of um, quick one-liner jokes, and um, my style is a lot different. My style is uh, uh, I do I kind of act out my comedy, so I do a joke and then I sort of take you to that joke and do the different um, uh, voices of it. Like for instance, in the in the book I'm I've written, one of the bits that I use in there is about uh, my bed seducing me because I'm I'm not lazy. I'm, I'm just my bed is too tempting, and so I, I have the bed talk to me, saying, "Michael, come back to me." And so the whole joke is me having a conversation with my bed. So that's more my style of comedy. Oh yes, definitely. So before we go on, can you please introduce more yourself to our listeners? Sure, sure. Well, my name is Mike Lucas, uh, spelled L-U-K-A-S, and I'm, I grew up. Uh, well, I was born actually uh, in uh, Indiana, and uh, in Lafayette, where um, Purdue University is, because my dad was going to school there for his graduate work. And so then he and uh, my mom gave birth to me there. We moved to. Virginia, and then eventually ended up in Cleveland, uh, and that's where I grew up. Uh, so I'm a Browns fan, so don't hate me. The Cleveland Browns are a, a notoriously bad team. That uh, our, our motto is, "We'll get them next year," and we usually say that just just after the season starts. And so uh, I grew up um, basically uh, in a suburb on the east side of Cleveland. I went to college at the University of Dayton and studied information systems, computers, programming, got a job at AT&T doing that. And after two years, I was like, oh, I'm tired of this. So I uh, auditioned for Disney MGM Studios as a TV uh, host. Uh, it, they had a new show at the new studios that came out in 1990 or 1989. And um, I, I got the part. And so I began a career in corporate entertainment. And during the off hours, I would do stand-up comedy. So I would travel around Florida. This was in Orlando. So I traveled around Florida and I would do sets to uh, work on my act. And eventually I, um, I, I got another job after that at Universal Studios and I was doing some shows for them and I was still doing stand up at night. And then I got enough work as a stand up comedian to quit my day jobs, as they say. And then I started touring and I, I based first out of Cleveland and I based out of Chicago and I just got work around the country doing uh, shows. And uh, I got my first big break on The Tonight Show um, back in 1996. And uh, I ended up doing two sets on there. And um, that kind of sprung me as a headliner. And, uh, and so then I began to just tour the country and fly from club to club and, um, and do shows. And eventually I, I did some um, comedy uh, sh uh, uh, festivals, the Montreal Comedy Festival and the Aspen Comedy Festival and the Chicago Comedy Festival. And I did a, a, a spot on the Conan O'Brien show. I've lived in Chicago and New York, and then eventually I went out to L.A., and that's uh, that's where I met my wife. 
And then um, we did a radio show together, she and I, on uh, CBS Radio in Los Angeles called Cracking Up with Gretchen and the Lukes. And we uh, we had a lot of our friends on, uh, and we, we made the weird news come alive. We used improvisation to make the weird news come alive. So we had some of our friends play the characters from weird news stories and pretend like they were real. And the, that was uh, the, the weekly show we did there. And then we had our start of our kids. And so... Um, I, I, I decided to hang up the comedy cleats and give writing a go. And then I've been writing since about 2015 uh, full time. And, uh, and that's what led me to write this book. I began to help some other younger comics, uh, you know, with their humor, with their sets, with their um, bits, with their act. And as I was doing that, I realized, oh, I, I have a lot to say about how uh, humor is uh, created, how laughs are created. And so I uh, started jotting down notes, and, and then I, I, I created this book. It's called Finding Your Funny Muscle, How to Create Laughs Like a Pro. And I think that's what led me here to you, Daniel. I, I, I'm, um, I'm now promoting this book. And um, it, it's my, my argument is that um, everyone can learn to be funnier. And uh, one person said, well, I think if you're if – you're, uh, Either you're funny or you're not. You know, you were born funny or you're not. And, and I said, uh, well, what, what do you do for a living? And the guy's like, well, I, I teach guitar lessons. And I was like, well, are, are you born musical or can you learn to be musical? If you if I take your lessons, can I learn to play the guitar? He's like, of course. I've done it for dozens of people. I said, so why can't you learn to be funnier? So this book helps you to learn to be funnier. Yes. <laughs> so that, that, that's in a nutshell. Definitely. So what age did you realize that you're, you're a good in comedy? Well, there's a lot of um, a lot of signs that you're good in comedy. My, my first indicator was as a as a kid, I would crack my uh, adults up. So I would I'd be able to go into a party that my parents were having, and I would make the adults laugh, and uh, usually by being silly or ridiculous. And then um, in high school, I was voted class clown and most fun to be with. So that was a big clue. Uh, and then when I was working at AT and T right out of college, I remember. Um, I, in, my, in my cubicle, I'd be sitting there trying to do work, but then there'd be three or four people sort of standing around and uh, I, I would be making them laugh. And so my boss would see, you know, three or four people laughing and, and um, know that, you know, I was preventing people from doing work. He was like, what are you doing here? So uh, so that, you know, but, but basically um, when you can begin to make people who you don't know laugh, that's how you know that you're uh, starting to get funny. You're, you're you're uh, able to make strangers um, uh, chuckle, and then and you know, and when they begin to repeat what you say, and they and begin to pay you for what you say, that's when you know you're really funny because it, you know, <laughs> it comes naturally, as they said. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and a lot of people it does. That, that's the thing is, it comes so naturally to so many people that if you, if it doesn't come naturally to you, the the fear is that you're not you you know you you, you might not be a funny person, but but. I say that's not true. I say that if you begin to learn, you, you might need to learn how funny works. And in my book, I teach you how to have your own comedy lens, uh, which is like sort of the the um, porthole that you look through life at in order to find what's funny to you. And then you use that to sort of use what I call the humor blueprint, which is a way to to begin to formulate uh, laughs uh, using these heightening devices that that, uh, that I provide in the book. And and you know, different heightening devices allow you to be funny. Things like you know, you can uh, cut back to a, a moment before the the joke happened, and and, and make it make a get a laugh out of uh, of how that might have uh, occurred. You can cut forward to uh, something that happened after the joke. There's ways to use irony. There's ways to use sarcasm. There's there's a lot of different ways that you can heighten your idea in order to be funny. So, how does uh, Mr. Mike cope up with sadness and stress of being a comedian? 
Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I, it, it, it's um, I, I mask. And for a while, I drank. That was a big thing uh, for, for a long time. You know, <laughs> when I, you have nerves, you take a couple of drinks. And, um, you know, after the show, you, you, you go out with the audience and the other comics and you have fun. And um, and so th that was one way that I, I, I dealt with it as a younger man. And then I realized that that doesn't really have a future for me. I, I don't really um, uh, enjoy that anymore. And so I began to um, I, I, I'm a, personally I practice Buddhism. And so uh, which is a philosophy that sort of gets you to sort of empty your mind. And so all those things that cause sadness and cause uh, anxiety for me, I, I now replace with uh, chanting, which, which is which is a very peaceful way to do it. Some people do it with meditation. Other people do it with um, uh, shouting at the top of their voice. But th that's how I choose to do with it. But but sadness, like you can't really get rid of sadness. You know, you can't really, um, you know, especially if you have a pet, you know, typically you're going to outlive your pet. So you're going to at the very least, you know have that kind of a situation going on in your life. And, and so you, you have to begin to just, I guess, um, you know, use humor uh, afterwards to, to begin to laugh at, at um, you know, at, at, at the state of, 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 uh, of this life, which is, you know, we're all going to die. And that's the biggest <laughs> all right? Yes. So let's talk about your debut book. This is my debut book. This is, um, well, what I learned, uh, a lot of things I've learned um, simply through, um, uh, publishing it. Uh, I, I've self-published it. I, um, I wanted to do a, a self-publishing. One of the jobs I had while I was writing in, in beginning, you know, before I could make a living at it, was as a uh, copywriter. And I worked with a company called Copy Chief. Uh, the owner, Kevin Rogers, is an old friend of mine, and he was nice enough to hire me and give me some work uh, to begin as a writer. And so in that company and with that group, I learned about direct marketing. And I knew that if you do, like, build up an email list and then you begin to give away freebies and then you you begin to uh, sort of uh, talk to your email list of people and get them to know, like, and trust you, then you can eventually sell to them. And I knew that that was true, but I didn't have anything to sell. And then eventually what I realized is, oh, the book I have is something I can apply to the knowledge. And so I've had a lot of fun learning how to self-publish. There's so many... Uh, balls in the air when you're trying to do that, you know, and, and so many things to learn. And so that's the one thing I, I would say doing this book is, is I'm, I'm really proud of all the work I did. And, 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 and to be honest, I'm really proud of uh, knowing that I had to hire other people to help me do it. For instance, I hired a book cover artist. I hired an editor and I also hired an interior designer, someone to work the interior of the book. So you wouldn't even know that it's self-published if you take a look at it. Yes, congratulations. I, I love the uh, cover. It's like a traditional publishing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, the cover is interesting. It, it's a whoopee cushion, obviously. It's a, the, a classic uh, icon of, of comedy. And the reason why I chose a whoopee cushion for the cover of it is because it sort of exhibits the exact same process to get a laugh that I teach, which is it, it you know, in the world, we sort of have a, um, a uh, expectation of sort of uh, a delicate quiet. And then the whoopee cushion totally uh, 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 you know, blows that expectation with a loud noise in the, that we attribute to something else. And then if someone gets blamed for it, it's even funnier. And, and even though um, it's the most basic form of a laugh, it follows that same idea, which is when you try to get a laugh, what you're doing is you have to flex a, a certain kind of a muscle, a funny muscle, as I call it, because you know, the funny, a funny is not a bone. Everyone says funny bone, but a bone is stiff and rigid, whereas comedy and humor and laughter is, is flexible, like a muscle, and you can grow and develop it. So that's why I say 
it's it's a um, a muscle, a funny muscle. And when you flex your funny muscle, what you do is first you 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 know you set up a premise, you tell people what you're talking about, and then you distract them to the left. You try to give them a norm, a normal um, thought to think of with a setup and then what you do with the punchline is you give them something totally unexpected something that they weren't thinking about and then that's where you get the laugh is because it still satisfies that setup and the whoopee cushion is a classic example of that which is why i used it on the cover yes very well said mr mike finding your funny muscles how to create laugh like a pro how did you craft it well I, um it, it was basically um what, what's the old saying bird by bird you know you have to do it um, word by word and you have to um, um, slowly uh, you, you know I, I began with an outline and then I um, I knew what I wanted to do in the course of the book uh, the book the book this it's a three book series and this first book introduces all my concepts the idea of creating a comedy lens I needed to establish that up front and then I needed to introduce the idea of a humor blueprint which is sort of a game plan that you use in order to get your laughs and it's a um it's a real easy thing to do but if you don't know how to do it uh it can it can seem really tricky and so this book sort of breaks it down easily and so what i did is um I, you probably know the term front loaded and um that what i learned in uh, from copy chief and kevin rogers is that most people won't read your whole book most people will well most people won't even open crack open the book they'll buy the book because they like the cover and they like the idea of it but they never find time to read it and, they, and, and what, what uh, we came to learn is that even the people that do try to read your book, they won't get through, most of them won't get through it, like half of it. So one way to uh, sort of uh, um, um, trick that or bypass that is to front load your book. So you take the most important part of what you're trying to teach and you put it up front. And then the second half of the book um, are things that that can be read later. Like for instance, I have in the back, I have all those 36 heightening devices. Uh, listed in the back. I have a glossary listed in the back. I have a couple of articles like the top 10 uh, mistakes that unfunny people make. Also, I do a, a story about my first Tonight Show appearance. It's, it's been a very popular story. And all that's in the back of the book. So you can read that at your leisure, but the the, the, the meat of it is in the first half. So that's how, kind of how I crafted it. I front loaded it and I, uh, I assembled it slowly uh, based on an outline. Yes, very well said. So uh, what behind the title of your first debut book? Well, finding your funny muscle, I was um, I was really trying to figure out a way to get across to the reader what I'm trying to do for them. And my my tagline is laughter curbs stress and turns strangers into friends. And anyone can learn to be funny. And so finding your funny muscle is basically helping people to find that in themselves. First of all, to find their own comedy lens so that they can see what, what's funny about their life. Like, for instance, my comedy lens is I'm a clumsy Aspie hole. So that means I'm, I'm on the Asperger spectrum. So I'm, I'm a little bit unemotional and I don't really I don't really have a lot of empathy uh, naturally. And so I sometimes tend to come across a little gruff, but then I'm, I'm very clumsy. So it always backfires on me. So that's sort of my lens that I use with my humor. And, and um, I teach other people how to find their own lens. That way, their humor is more uh, sort of original as opposed to being like a corner quipper where you're just making jokes based on random thoughts. And then, um, yeah, then, then I, 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 when you're finding your funny muscle, you, you need a, a game plan. You need something to know how to flex it. And so that's what the humor blueprint is. It, it teaches you how to use that comedy lens 
um, and and flex it with those heightening devices to get laughs. And it's really fun because it's almost like it's like a game. When you're when you're getting laughs, you're heightening, which means you're making things more intense and bigger. And you're yes anding, which means whatever you're coming across, you're not only agreeing with it, but you're 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 taking it one step further. So um, you're learning these skills, and what that does is it helps you uh, socialize. It helps you in business if you're you know giving presentations. It helps you connect with other people. And like I said, it turns strangers into friends. And so anyone that doesn't know you, if you can get them to laugh, there's a connection that's built. And your know, like, and trust, your KLT increases automatically. Yes. Laughter is the best medicine, people. (laughs) Finding your funny muscle is this expandable. It's, it's, It's expandable? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm going to be doing it's a if, if this is what you mean, I'm, I'm going to do a three book series. The second book is called I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with that one right now. And it's called fine tuning your funny muscle. So the first book introduces you to the, all these concepts. And the second book gives you ways to practice the concepts, the game plan. And then the third book is called flexing your funny muscle. And that book teaches you how to use it in your world. So whether it's as a stand up comedian or as a business person, or as a person who just wants to meet people and socialize and make, get laughs in um, social environments, or someone who wants to crack up their crush. So that's how this um, will be expandable. And then I'll also, with each of these three books, have a masterclass that will be available. And then um, those will be six different passive income streams that I'll have that I can work against each other. Wow. Congratulations for your three series, Finding Your Funny Muscle. So before we go on, Mr. Mike, I just want to shout out to the people listening in Switzerland. Thank you so In Zurich, I get up 52%. Aragu at 11%. Bod, Schaffhausen, Tosino, Lucerne, Basel City, Bern, of course, uh, Basel Landschaft, Neuchâtel, Zug, Geneva, um, wow. and last but not the least, Solothurn. Thank you for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world, like Mr. Mike Lucas. Woo! Yeah. Hello, Switzerland, and hello, uh, world. Uh, I, I, I love that you have a, a worldwide audience because everyone loves to read, and you know, Daniel, everyone loves to laugh. And if you can, if you can learn how to laugh a little bit more, uh, your your day goes by a little bit better. Yes, according to my analytics, Mister Mike, I got one hundred thirty-three countries listening to me. So wow. this is this is the place where you will advertise your book. I love it. Well, my book is available on uh, next Monday, May 15th, and it's available in paperback version, which will go for $14.99, and it'll be available in the ebook version, which is a $7.99 purchase. So um, I look forward to uh, hearing what everyone thinks about it. And, um, and, and yeah, and for, for everyone who's listening, if, if you can leave a review, especially a positive review, that always helps. But for any book you read, that's that's so so helpful to a writer, to an author, because when you're self-publishing, you're really trying to tell the algorithm, you know, the, the search algorithm on the Internet, what you are and, and where to find you. And those reviews really help the algorithm learn about the book. So thank you in advance for all those wonderful five star reviews. Yes, definitely. <laughs> How do you cope up with the negative people? 
Oh, well, you know what's funny, Daniel? There's hecklers all the time. And I've dealt with hecklers my whole career. And a lot of comedians don't like hecklers because hecklers are basically saying, um, I don't like what you're doing and I, I, I can do it better. And so a lot of times um, a lot of comedians will try to go tit for tat with their haters, with the negative people. And I don't do that. I kind of try to listen to what they're saying and I try to kind of use comedy judo on them. And so what I mean by that is I kind of uh, take their their force and I use it to, to, to take them down. So, for instance, I was doing one show one time and uh, I'm a bald man. I, I shaved my head because I'm going bald. And so someone yelled out, I'll buff your head for a nickel. First thing that the whole audience heard, there's probably a thousand people in the audience. I was doing a theater. And so I spent a good 15 minutes on this guy. Uh, and what I did was I, I sort of uh, took his energy and I, and I, and I went with it. And so I said, um, I, I was like, wow, sir, you're, you're a big part of the show now. And I, and I, and I had him uh, after the show shaking people's hands, you know, like, hey, you're going to be after the show by the doorway going, Oh yeah. Did you see me? I was the buff your head for a nickel guy. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And then I had him driving home with his wife. Remember when I was part of the show, honey? Oh yeah. Buff your head for a nickel. I wrote that in my head. And then I had him at, his, at work the next day. And then I had him uh, mopping a floor going, I was the buff your head for a nickel guy. And so I took him through the whole show and I, I brought him through all these different scenarios that made him look really embarrassing, but I didn't ever insult him directly. So the audience was laughing and, and went with it. And then by the end, by the time I had him mopping the floor of the bathroom, and that was, as if that was his job, uh, then um, it, 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 basically uh turned the, the stakes but so what i do with, with with haters and hecklers and for the most part i ignore them because like, let's be honest if if you have enough time to hate and heckle you're not doing your own thing like very few people who are creative and who uh, are pursuing their dreams spend time hating and heckling right i don't really right. heckle other comedians because i'm busy being a comedian and i know how hard it is to do that but if i didn't know that then that might be when i do it so why waste your time and energy on those people but sometimes you gotta you gotta use comedy judo on them yes <laughs> yes definitely let it go right yeah let it go so finding your funny muscle what's the best highlight of your debut boot well, I'd say that the, the best highlight is the idea that this, this thing includes 36 humor heightening devices. So you're able to um, go in the back of this book and really use all these different ways to, um, to uh, get laughs. Um, you, there's fantasy outlets for frustration. You know, there's um, in, uh, um, uh, uh, exaggeration, different perspectives. You know, so suddenly if you, have, if you use a different perspective, you can... Um, do the voice of somebody that you wouldn't wouldn't think normally, right? So, uh, for instance, uh, I just did a joke on Facebook today where I said, you know, I watched Godless on Netflix, which is a small uh, about a small town in the Wild West, and I said I enjoyed it, but I was thinking about the horses. Imagine being a horse back then in the cowboy times, where the cowboys like, well, I better tie up my horse while I have some drinks in the saloon, and the horse is like, well, great, four straight hours of staring at a wooden rail while my alcoholic handler flirts with hookers. <laughs> Dang, that fella smells horsey. And the bar stool says, "Yeah, tell me about it." So those are all different perspectives that you give. So now, now we get a laugh because we get to see all the different worlds around the, the cowboy. So the, I'd say that's one of the um, best part. But the other part is I, I give a lot of good examples. So there's a lot of laughs in the book, and I and I and I and I make the reader laugh while you're learning. So that that to me is the key. I think a, a book about humor should also be humorous, and and that's what I think uh, I'm proud of with this one. 
Yes, I, I read the book of uh, Mr. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Is this anything? Is it a compilation of work for the last, yes. I don't know, 10 years? Is it uh, the same thing? Yeah, well, I would say like his book was is more like a compilation of his material and sort of a demonstration of what he does. My book is more of a how-to. My book uh, gives the reader the ability to do what Jerry Seinfeld does in your own way. Now, obviously, like, you know, if you learn how to play the guitar, you might not be good enough to play in Carnegie Hall, but you're going to be good enough maybe to play in a party in front of your friends. And so my idea is that if you want to be funny and learn how to create laughs, uh, if you have an insight in how to do that, then you can get it done a lot quicker and a lot better uh, than, than you could before you knew these things. And so that's what that's what my book is. It's, it's more of a how-to, whereas Jerry's is more of a... Um, Here's what I did, and he is funny, isn't he? He's 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 one of the best. He's he's a he's a prolific joke writer. Yes, very well said, Mister Mike. As you go through the series of your books, what will connect to each other? Well, it, it, the whole thing is sort of an idea of uh, uh, it, it's a process of learning how to be funnier. So the first book tells you exactly what the terms that I'm using and how how uh, I, I, I teach this idea. The second book sort of goes through all those different devices in, in the comedy lens and the humor blueprint and the, and the heightened devices. And it really shows you how pro comics use that and, and, and how you can use that for your own jokes. And then in that book, in that second book, I actually write a joke in the beginning of it. And then I go through with each of those heightening devices and I, and I use them on the joke. So you can watch the joke come alive the way you could do it for yourself. And then in the third book, I really help you implement these ideas into your world. So whether you're a business person or a wannabe comic or just a person who just is looking to have some more laughs and relieve your stress and to, to make, you know, make more friends, I, that book is going to uh, sort of give you uh, suggestions and helpful hints on how to get that done. Yes, before we go, and I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, with Chef Alessandro, one of the uh, executive chef in one of the five-star hotel in downtown Toronto. So Food 101, uh, any platform. So 101, uh, Mr. Mike, we do laugh a lot. <laughs> That's it, great. <laughs> it, it brings joy because uh, Chef Alessandro and I really laugh a lot. Isn't that fun? The fact that you can have laughs in a kitchen, like I think that's one thing that uh, I like about those uh, the the cooking shows is there's a lot of laugh and a lot of drama and a lot of excitement, and you wouldn't think there is that in a in a kitchen, but there really is. Yes, uh, I, I want you to be my guest on my Food 101 and to, to promote your books over there. And let's laugh a lot. <laughs> sure. Any, uh, anytime yeah. I get to talk about myself, uh, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so being an indie publisher or indie author, what is the pros and cons? Well, I'd say um, the, the pros are you are in charge of your process. Um the, uh, you are going to get a little bit more money when you sell your books because you're you're getting a, a larger a royalty, a larger cut. And you're in charge of your creative process. So you get to make the final choices on what your cover looks like, and what your inside looks like. And um, you're, um, you're, you're also, um, it, it puts you hands on with the whole process. And the cons of, of it would be that, you know, you, you're doing more work. So you're, you're in charge of all this. And so you're having to understand and learn how to do a, a job that other people do for a living. So, you know, you, you're not, a, you know, you're, if you're a writer, you're typically not a publisher. So now you have to kind of learn how to be a publisher. So that's, that's, that's a, 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 a lot of, it takes a lot of time up front 
you know, and, and then another con I would say would be that you have to put the money up for your investment. And the investment is you have to, you know, pay for a, a, a title, a, a cover uh, a artist. You have to pay for an editor. The big mistake a lot of self-publishers make is they don't buy, hire an editor. And then what ends up happening is you uh, there's so many um, grammatical errors, uh, mis misspellings, and um, just repetitions that you're not aware of that go by. For instance, the editor I hired, I um, I got back my my draft from him, and he said, "Don't be thrown off about how many changes there are. That's typical." So I looked at the total, and it was 4,200 changes that he suggested. So that's 4,200 things that a reader would have had to deal with that my editor saved them from. So it just makes for a cleaner copy um, of your manuscript. And then, you know, hiring somebody to, to set up your book. Otherwise, it looks like you copy and paste it from a Word document. And then people who pay money for a, a book feel like they got a little bit ripped off. So, so you know, and then probably the, the biggest... Um, drawback of self-publishing is you're your own marketer and so even though if you publish it through the uh, you know the standard you know way through the literary um, avenue you still have to do a lot of your own marketing but they they tend to distribute your book for you in the first year and then they they have a lot of channels that they have already made and um and a lot of professionals that do that for them so so they're handling that part of the business whereas when you're self-publishing you've got to market your own books so you've got to set up your own social media networks you've got to set up your um author website you've got to run ads yeah if, if you want to sell you know so so there's a lot of um hands-on parts of it now i personally i like it i i I'm, i prefer to do a lot of that stuff myself because i can get it done you know faster and, and i can hire the right people that i like think uh in the other is uh worth it uh well f especially for what i do I, th this is a uh, uh these are non-fiction books and typically in the literary world the only people that get a non-fiction deal are like celebrities and people that are are like a household name and as, as as successful as i was as a comedian i didn't become a household name so they couldn't really use that to sell my book so so i'm guessing that a lot of publishers um wouldn't be interested right away in that so for non-fiction books a lot of times that makes sense for fiction books i i know a lot of people that like both some of them self-publish and they go through a literary process or an actual publisher and uh, some people they they swear by self-publishing because they're like uh, you don't have to go through the other thing uh, anymore and you make less money um the the the, the publisher puts up all the uh, upfront costs they, they hire all those professionals to get your book done for you so they're going to want to recover that cost before they ever give you a dime uh, you know on top of whatever your upfront money was so so I, I personally, I, I'm I'm really excited about the self-publishing industry. I think there's a lot of potential in it. I think that we're just now getting the kind of technology and the kind of learning uh, um, capability, uh, you know, to, in order to uh, for newer people to to get up on uh, up to speed quickly. And um, there's a lot of experts that are sharing their knowledge on YouTube, and you know, you just Google self-publishing, any of the steps on it, and and you can learn now you, you know it takes a, a while to do that and you know i'll get better at it the more books i do but i gotta say i'm you know i'm, I'm really excited about doing this i want to be the uh, the print remember the musician prince or formerly known as prince yes he, he, he busted open the music industry because he said i, I let's avoid the middleman i'm going to produce my own music and i'm going to sell it to the people directly and he made more money because of that 
So I want to be the prince of the self-publishing industry. I want to, I want to be able to break open those those avenues so that people can see that uh, you know if you do it right, if you do it correctly, you know it, with with a you know a, a little bit of up, upfront cost, you can you can produce a really good book. You can self-publish a really uh, uh, legitimate uh, book that people will enjoy and, and and learn from. Definitely. So, what is your aspiring message for those? Uh, people want to publish their story as indie author. Well, I would say you know it, it, it's it's a there's a lot of balls in the air that you're juggling. So don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen quickly. It, it takes a little while. Um, the first thing you have to learn how to do is write. You know you have to learn how to just put sentences and paragraphs together. The second thing you need to learn how to do is tell a story. I didn't know that those are two separate things. I didn't know that you had to learn how to tell a story. On top of learning how to be a good writer, because a story is a very particular thing. The reason why people tune into a story is they want to vicariously live through somebody else, and so you have to give them that through emotional uh, showing instead of telling. And so I, I had to learn how to do all that, especially as someone on the Asperger's uh, spectrum. I had to I had to figure out how it, you know what are these things called emotions and feelings, and how do I get them across and, and, and using words. And it's, so it was it was a long process to do that. And then once you figure that out, you have to learn how to, to do that uh, to completion. So uh, the mistake a lot of uh, newer writers make is they think that their first draft is, is their final draft. And what, what, what professional writers know is their first draft is just a rough sketch of what they're trying to do. And it's all in the rewrites. And just as a, uh, an artist gets rid of all their pencil sketchings and, and inks it later, that's what a writer has to do. And so it's a real... It's a real step-by-step process that you do, and and it's fun if you if you know that. But if you think that your your first draft has to be perfect, it's a real frustrating um, start to the process. But then once you get that book done and you get it finished, you know the the, the key is to get it edited. You, you got to get it edited. You got to have an outside source who hasn't doesn't know you and doesn't know uh, your work. Look at your body of work, your manuscript, as a um, as a reader would. And then when, 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 when an editor does that, you're shocked at how many things they can change and shift for the better so that your work is, is more readable and, uh, and more enjoyable and uh, less speed bumps in there. Because every mistake you make that you don't edit out is a speed bump for the reader. And if there's enough speed bumps, they're not going to continue on with that. And then I would just finally say, um, uh, do it. If you have an idea, I think everybody has at least one story in them, you know, a good story whether it's a, 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 a fictional one or it's about you. But, you know, a, a story is basically, you know, like the idea of, of overcoming a struggle, some, some, something that, 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 that's a, sort of a core wound that you're attempting to, um, that life will no longer let you uh, pretend isn't there anymore. And the story, every story is about the, about the day that all changed and, how, and what you did about it. So I think everyone has that story. So I say, if if you if you if you if the words are there, write them down and and, and go through the process. But I my last suggestion would be to uh, attend the University of YouTube. Do your yes. best to start googling uh, all your suggestions uh, or all your questions in YouTube, and there's somebody who has an answer for you. I guarantee you. Yeah, <laughs> well, right. That's the hard part, man, because you stare at that blank page. And it's, yeah. it's it, but but just write anything, and then when you edit it, it'll come, it'll be better. Just you know, go back and rewrite it. And I swear it it it, it works that way. But it, it it's it's frustrating because it's embarrassing to look at you know when you write a bunch of crap on the screen, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that this is my book. And it's like, no, that's just the first draft. We rewrite it. <laughs> yes. So finding your funny muscles after ten years 
if you want to revise this book? Which part of the book you want to revise? Let's see. Um, I don't know. The, the thing I like about this book is it's been long uh, in, 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 the, in the making. Um, I first started coming up with this idea. It was actually first called Thinking Funny was the way um, I, I, I came up with the idea first. And I came out in the 1990s when I, I would, my, re, my real need was I, I, I was very funny on stage and naturally in front of people. But what I wasn't really good at was sitting down at my desk and just typing out funny things. So I wanted to figure out how do you do that? What, how do you um, sort of generate humor without having to be in the moment? And so that was an ongoing quest since the mid nineties. So this, this book has been, you know, uh, in my mind and in my head in, uh, for a long time. So this one that you're getting is, I don't know that I would review, re revise it. I, I think maybe I would just, um, uh, I don't know what I would do. Uh, maybe, maybe I would, I would do it in color. Maybe I would, because each chapter has a little whoopee cushion with the number on it. Chapter eight and it's a little whoopee. So maybe I would have little red whoopee cushions instead of black, or, you know, gray ones, because um, typically uh, these kind of books, you do black and white. So finding your funny muscles is you, is this your legacy? I'd say as a comedian, um, these three books are going to be, um, I, I hope, hopefully, a, a very big help to anybody who's trying to learn how to uh, to be funnier. And I've already had people that I'm, I'm working with. I, I, I help uh, some younger comics who are, who are newer in the business, and the growth is exponential because they they didn't they don't understand these things. They're they're very basic to someone who knows how to naturally be funny, but to someone who's um, just learning or, or, or is new at it they're very, they're mind blowing, you know, like the idea of finding a comedy lens to know that um, I can be a lot funnier if to you, to a stranger, if you see more clearly where I'm coming from, you can relate to my humor better and you can remember me more if I have a comedy lens that, that's, uh, that sticks out. Like Jerry Seinfeld is the, the guy who uh, makes a big deal out of nothing. Rodney Dangerfield is I, I, the man who gets no respect. Um, you know, Roseanne Barr was the domestic goddess, you know, <laughs> so, so everyone has a, a, every successful comedian has one of these comedy lenses. And so there's no reason why anyone who's trying to be funny shouldn't have their own. And if, and if you have one, you, it sets you farther ahead of anyone else. And so, yeah, I would say it's a legacy in the sense that um, this is, this stuff is going to be um, accurate and, and, and will be helpful for, for, for an endless amount of time. Very well said, Mr. Mike. So can you please do your punchline? Oh, my punchline. Um, well, let's see. Um, one of the jokes I used to do was about when I um, about living with somebody. And uh, this is before I was married. And I used to I used to talk about how living with somebody is um, is very difficult because it's, it's, it's a real challenge to break up with somebody, especially if you have a lot of stuff. If you have a lot of stuff, uh, you tend to work out arguments a little bit better because you, you know you're like look the, the, look honey it's not going well everything that, that, that we we thought was going to be love is not love anymore so i'm just going to get all my stuff i'm going to get out of your life i'm going to get my dishes and plates wrap them up in newspapers pack them up in boxes i'll get some change of address forms fill those out and send those out to my creditors and then i'm going to get a a, a u-haul for the sofa bed ah, look we can work this out <laughs> We have, we have, we have a, a lot of problems, but we have way more stuff. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the kind of humor I would do. <laughs> so can you please invite our listeners 
to buy your W book. Absolutely. You can go to funnymuscle.com and you can uh, get a, a link there. I'm sure that uh, Daniel will be nice enough to put a link uh, in the notes of this podcast once I get it. Uh, but it's available May 15th. Right now, it's going to be available on Amazon. Uh, you can get that, like I said, the paperback uh, for $14.99 or the ebook for $7.99. And then uh, soon enough, the, the second book will be available at the same spot. And uh, like I said, funnymuscle.com. And by the way, if you want to go to funnymuscle.com, there are um, blogs that I write there that I do an audio version. So I do the uh, the vocal version of all my writing. And there's also video blogs I do. So I do I act out a lot of the things you're hearing and seeing. Uh, I, I do uh, on the site. And so, so far, I, I started the site on March 9th. So far, I've got almost 30,000 visits from people laughing and having a good time there. So come to funnymuscle.com. It's free. You can you can just enjoy uh, some some good humor. And um, uh, and then that also will give you information for the book. Yes, people, as we said, laughter is the best medicine. Mm. So let's support Mr. Mike Lucas because this book probably a phenomenal Let's give you happiness. Let give you make your life more easier than stress. <laughs> right? and isn't that what we're looking for? And and, and and you can do it without a hangover. Oh yes. <laughs> without a hangover. Hey Mr. Mike, thank you for your time. I love it. I appreciate you, Daniel. Yes. Morning people. See you soon. See you. <laughs>